Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners, like you, are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have those who act as coaches and mentors in the areas of business and marketing. We have folks who help others create their businesses. And we have, on the other side of that coin, the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers. If you are one or more of the above, in fact, if you, like me, are all of the above, take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we serve you at www.business.com creatorsradioshow.com. And as I also like to say, Google it, Bing it, or DuckDuckGo it, you will find it. Be sure to subscribe to your favorite syndication network, such as iTunes. Find us by searching Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating helps us serve more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe. You'll get fresh content every single week in addition to immediate access to a treasure trove of over 200 and 70 episodes covering topics ranging the breadth and depth of issues relevant to business creators just like you. All right, that was the that was the hard part. Now let's get to the fun part, which is today's topic: creating successful, profitable online courses. This is an in-demand topic, and the fact is that we get a lot of folks who want to present on Business Creators Radio Show on how to make an online course or how to sell an online course. I've also discovered that there is such a proliferation of the same information out there over and over again that I wanted to make sure that when I present this to you that we were taking a unique view upon it that would give you something new to look at in terms of building a revenue stream and a business referral generation stream around the idea of online courses. And to assist us with that today, we have on board Cindy Nicholson, who is known as the Course Whisperer. Doesn't get much better than that, folks. So Cindy is here on the Business Creators Radio Show because she wants to help you take your online course to the next level. As a former high school teacher and corporate trainer, Cindy has spent thousands of hours designing training material. Now, too often, entrepreneurs get stuck between the inspiring thought leader in their world and translating that vast expertise into a profitable online course. Reaching a broader audience and earning passive income eludes them. And that's why we have Cindy Nicholson, the course whisperer, with us today. Cindy, come on in. The weather's fine. (laughs) Hi, Adam. How are you doing today? It would be better if you paid me a million dollars. You should try that, though, just to see what happens. (laughs) I'll think about it. All right. So before we dive into our topic today, and I know we have a lot to cover, some of our listeners may right now have a separate browser tab open where they're looking up the Course Whisperer and Cindy Nicholson. They're looking to learn more about you. So let's help them with that. So what I'd like to do is just sort of take a step back. We read off your official bio, and what we'd like to do now is just get a little more of a sense of your personal and professional journey and how they have brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and passion. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely, Adam. Thank you for asking. So 
as it uh, in the intro mentioned, I have a background in teaching and corporate training. So I started out as a high school teacher. I always thought that I was going to be a high school teacher and, you know, did the education and everything and got into the job. And while I loved teaching, I didn't love what I was teaching. I was a phys ed and I was a math teacher and I live up here in Canada and I just found that the curriculum was really archaic. It wasn't really addressing what, you know, really should be taught in high school these days. So I actually took the leap and decided to leave um, my teaching profession and move over to the financial industry. I got really interested in investing and financial planning. So I did all my courses to become a financial planner. And then while I loved the job that I was doing as a financial planner, I really missed teaching. And so a perfect opportunity came up for me to move over into the corporate training world where I was training financial advisors. So that was a great job for me because it was the, you know, I was teaching adults who, you know, really wanted to learn. And um, I, you know, was working in the corporate world. And so I did that for, you know, over 10 years. And then I had kids and decided to stay home with my kids for a few years with the idea that, you know, once my youngest was, you know, in grade school, I would go back to the corporate world. Well, I tell you, and uh, I think uh, you worked in the corporate world as well, Adam, right? Once, once yeah, you kind of get out of that, <laughs> once you kind of get out of that, you know, the craziness of getting up and commuting into the city and all of that, I realized, you know, I don't really want to go back to the corporate world. So, the question was then, well, what do I do? And uh, at that point, I was really interested in nutrition. You know, with my, my, my background in phys ed, I was really interested in health and nutrition. So I thought, I'm going to become a nutritionist. And I'll, at that time, I was kind of discovering this online world. And I'm like, I'm going to build a business in nutrition. So I went back to school and, you know, start, I built a blog and everything and thought, okay, I'm going to build my business in nutrition. And uh, one of the things I was doing as I was looking to build my business in nutrition was I was taking a lot of online courses, you know, because, you know, it's not something you learn in school. You kind of have to learn it as you go online. So I was taking a ton of online courses. And the more courses I took, the more unhappy I was with the courses that I was taking. You know, they had right. these huge prom promises as what you're going to get by taking the course. And then once I got into it, the courses, like, really felt flat. Like, after being a teacher and a trainer for so long, like, that's, that's all I can see when I take courses is how well it's designed and how well the content's presented. And uh, anyway, so I was, I was facing that challenge as I was trying to, you know, learn myself how to build an online business. And in one of the courses that I was taking, we were had um, they had these um, almost like little mastermind groups set up as part of the course, and I was in a mastermind group, and uh, I, I can remember the day that I decided to you know pivot my business. Is uh, okay. I ended I ended up having getting on the phone with one of the individuals in my mastermind group, and I ended up um, spent she was an accountant. And I ended up spending about an hour on the phone with her. You know, she was wanting to create a course. And I spent about an hour on, on the phone with her, like really like how she should structure it, how she should organize it. Because, you know, 
accounting isn't so much fun, right? So how do we make it interesting yeah. for the learners? And so I ended up getting off the phone and two things struck me. Number one, that was fun. Like I had so much fun with her, more fun than I had doing anything in nutrition. And then number two, I realized I kind of had a skill set. So I kind of didn't realize that I had this ability to kind of take information that people have and kind of help them organize it and structure it in a way so that it can be a really good learning experience for the students. And, uh, and then I was like, okay, well, maybe all of these red flags that were popping up for me as I was taking these online courses, maybe there's a pretty big need here of, you know, entrepreneurs, they may be brilliant at what they do. They just kind of struggle with how to take all of that information out of their head and put it into a course that kind of makes sense, that the learners are going to take and enjoy and, and get a real transformation from. So that was the moment that I realized, you know what? I'm going back to my roots. <laughs> I'm going back to what I've been doing for years and um, decide to come along this course whisperer route where it was really helping people with their content. Because there's, um, there's a lot that's involved with creating an online course. And um, I think one of the big gaps in terms of doing the research was, is that there's not a lot of help of how to create the content. So that's kind of the, the gap that I, I hope to fill when I help my clients. Yeah, and in a second, we're going to dive into what are some of the common mistakes that entrepreneurs make when creating online courses. I can tell you from my perspective, having worked with entrepreneurs for the past 15 years who create online courses, a lot of them create awesome courses. There's a, one thing that I've occasionally had to push back on a bit is the sense that they don't need to prepare before they create their course. They can just get on the camera and start talking. Uh, I remember this is about 10 years ago. I was creating a course in tandem with somebody else where I taught half the modules and this other person taught half the modules with the idea that it was being, it was one of the type of course where people signed up in advance and we got paid in advance to deliver the course. Then we took the recordings and edited them and productized it. So we got the two bumps in revenue. You know what I'm talking about. So I yeah. showed up. With PowerPoints, I showed up with handwritten notes. I showed up with bullet points printed out in front of me. And I had an outline that I was following, and I made sure I got everything out that I wanted to say while introducing some story selling, some anecdotes, and you know, the way that I teach, which is largely through, in fact, storytelling. And the other person doing the course uh, said, oh, no, I'm not going to do anything. I'll just get on the camera and start talking. Now, this person was so disorganized that uh, they didn't even wait for the cues to begin speaking. Because, you know, when you're doing a course live, you're planning to productize, you normally have a thing where, and e even if the audience hears it, that's fine, where they say, all right, so on my cue in 10 seconds, begin your presentation. I mean, even people come on the Business Creators Radio Show, as you saw, uh, when we were in the green room, I prompted you to say, all right, now, wait for 10 seconds of silence, and then I'll begin my intro, which was the cue that we were about to begin. It, it was so, this person was so disorganized that I had, when I recognized myself, and I'm the co-host, it took me a minute to realize they had actually begun their presentation. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I did this in front of everybody who's paying for it, by the way. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You were supposed to ask for the cue to begin. So we're going to disregard everything you just said and you're going to let me know when you're ready to begin the presentation, and then you're going to wait the 15 seconds. 
Let yeah, me, yeah, it's, let it's, me break this down further. Let me break this down further, and then I'm going to turn you loose because I know that there are a lot of mistakes <laughs> that people are making. Is it, um, is it uh, when we got feedback on that course, I actually got praise for what I just described. And it went further to say that people really looked forward to my modules, and they were wondering if they could just buy the course with just my stuff in it. And I'm not patting myself on the back. Uh, per se. I'm just showing the difference between a little bit of preparation and thinking that you're so brilliant that you can just get on and speak extemporaneously when it comes to creating an online course. No matter how good you are doing that speaking from the stage where you're supposed to be good at it, if you, in my personal opinion, and you're welcome to disagree if I'm off course, when it comes to creating an online course you plan to monetize, organization is critical. So with that, I'm going to ask for your feedback on the anecdote I just shared with you. And then I'm going to ask what common mistakes, in addition to that or separate from that, do you see entrepreneurs make when creating their online courses? Oh, Adam, your story just rings so true for me. Um, and I think you've really hit the, hit the nail on the head in terms of probably the biggest mistake that I see with online course creators. But just to kind of go back to your point is often people think, well, I'm an expert. I know the content, so I can create training material. That, that seems to be an automatic reaction. And the, the, the challenge is, is we often, you know, if, if we've gone to school or if we've gone to college or university, we're used to, you know, sitting in a classroom and listening to somebody at the front of the room droning on for X amount of time, and we have to sit there and listen and take notes because, you know, we might be tested on it. So that's often what people's impression of what teaching and learning is all about, but nothing can be further from the truth because that's not how people learn, especially in the online world. No one is going to sit down in front of a computer and listen to somebody drone on for 20 or 30 minutes about their particular topic, even if they're an expert. Um, because that's just not, we don't have the attention span these days. We don't have, um, we're super sensitive to in, in, uh, material that doesn't apply to us. So there's so much that we can do to the content and the design of the course to make it so that people are going to take it and learn from it and get review, like, you know, rave reviews on it and everything like that. So you're absolutely tr uh, right, Adam. There's so much you can do from a course design perspective to make sure that once people spend the money to take your course, that they get through it all, they get the transformation, and they'd be, ha they'd be happy to pro uh, provide you a review of it. So, so that is um, definitely one of the big mistakes is people think, oh, I know the content, so I'll just make a bunch of videos and people will, you know, bask in my wisdom and, yeah. you know, learn everything, right? Um, and, and, and so, so I, I, and again, I've taken similar courses where, you know, there's been these super long videos and, you know, the, or, the content's not organized. You can tell when it hasn't been designed properly. So I can totally relate to that. So that's, that, that kind of ties into what I would say is the biggest mistake that course creators right. make. Number one for me is always way too much content, way too much content. And it's interesting because when I'm working with clients, the idea is or the, their perception is, is we want to give our students as much information as possible so that they can feel 
like they've got a ton of value from us. And, uh, and so I'm often pulling my clients back from how much content that they present. And, and I always come back to, because, you know, one of the key things when you're creating a course is you want to make sure you have a clear outcome. You know, before, you know, when your students take your course, what results are they going to get? Like what's, you know, what does their life look like today? And what does their life look like when they finish your course? And it should be different. And uh, when you start with your course and having a clear outcome or results by taking your course, then you only include content that gets you to that destination. Because people aren't necessarily, they're, they're, people aren't taking your course so that they can have hours and hours of content. They're taking your course or they're spending the money so that they can get a result, a transformation, a change, a solution to the problem that they have, not that they have to sift through seven hours of content to get there. So um, what I usually say to my clients, you know, number one, we're only going to include information that they need to know in order to get the results. So, yeah. you know, I'll ask the clients, is this a need to know? Or is it a nice to know? <laughs> if it's a need to know, we're going to include it. If it's a nice to know, A, maybe we can include it as bonus material that, you know, if they're interested in going to it, you can include it in bonus material. Or maybe it's content for another course that you offer. And so right. that's kind of how I address that or help the clients, or my, my clients with, you know, make sure that the content that you include is only only the content that's going to get you to that destination because I you know I've kind of said it already adults adult learners they're super super sensitive to um, content that doesn't apply to them so if they're sitting through a video and either they already know it or they perceive they don't need to know it they're gone they're not they're not going to sit through and hopefully maybe some material is going to come across that they find interesting or valuable, they're going to be gone. And then guess what? They're never coming back. <laughs> then they're right. never going to get that transformation. And then you're not going to get those reviews that you want, you know, from this, co this amazing course that you've created. So, so that's kind of the first, you know, mistake um, that I see that entrepreneurs make. Um, and then, and then there's obviously other ones that, uh, I often see it kind of part and parcel to the too much content or, or that objective is not being super clear on who the course is designed for. So, you know, you've probably talked about this before about, you know, having a clear, you know, target client or some people even call it an avatar, having a clear audience of who, um, you know, your business is for, you kind of almost go through that same process, except you do it for your course. Who is this course designed for? And you almost want to be more specific than you would be, say, for your overall business. And it you know, kind of goes back to this. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I thought you were done. I thought I heard a pause. I thought you were done. Was there more? No, no. Well, I was just going to be, be just drilling more down on just like being super clear on who your audience are. But I, I'd like to hear your thoughts, Adam. Well, you know, you want to go back to feedback I've gotten on things I've created in the past. I will also candidly say that I've gotten that exact same piece, that I've created things where I included 
too much content. And, uh, and that's, when you, when you think of yourself as somebody who wants to, to give and exceed the promise and all that, that's not always the easiest thing to hear. And then you also have to think about when you are deciding what you want to include in your course, you want it to feel like it's complete or at least is valuable to the end user. So you may have a concern about, well, if I leave this part out or I leave that, that part out, then is this going to leave them high and dry or feel like we didn't deliver the, the promise? So wait, I guess one way to look at that is to ask yourself, if you are affirming for your audience, have you delivered the promise? And are you going back and explaining to them that if your course said it was going to cover these seven things, going back at some point and saying, yeah, and as you can see, we, you know, we covered point number one, we covered point number two, we covered point number three, so that they can uh, see that they've gotten what you said you were going to deliver. To me, that's one way of dealing with that. Now, beyond all of this, I think we also need to look at personality profiles, whether you uh, study that through the ages of the platinum roll or the, or the disc profiles or whatever your, uh, your, your cake of choice is. It all goes back to those fluids, as Socrates said, we had running through us. Look at who your audience are most likely to be based on those types of personality profiles. Because, for example, the way you would give information to a financial advisor, if you're creating a course for financial advisor, is a lot different than the way that you would create a course or you expect the course to be consumed by people who are, say, life coaches. These are two different personality types as a general role, though there are exceptions. So if you're presenting a bunch of woo-woo, happy, kumbaya stuff to a just-the-facts crowd, you're going to lose them pretty quickly. Whereas if you're giving just facts to people who need to be inspired and motivated, then you're going to lose them as well. That's my take on it. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And, 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 and to some extent, they may already be filtered just from the perspective they, because they've gravitated to you in the first place sort of thing in terms of, you know, whether or not if they follow you already, they probably have a sense as to kind of how you deliver material, how, you know, what, what your personality type is. So your, your, your uh, tendencies might resonate with the, that audience anyway. Right. Okay, so with your permission, I'd like to jump around a little bit because it feels like we're going to a different segue than we originally planned here. So now that we've identified some of the mistakes that – entrepreneurs make, I'd like to sort of flip the coin and jump down the list a little bit. And let's get into what are some of the secrets that make a course engaging to clients? Because I think, I think with the mistakes, we end up with a problem with engagement. Yes. This is like one of my favorite things to, to talk about. Just because, again, we, the, the ultimate, my thought is, if you have somebody who's willing to pull out their wallet and pay money for a course, when you get them into your course, you want them to have a really good experience <laughs> because you you, right. you want them to fin finish it. You want them to get the transformation. You want those you know those awesome reviews so that you've got word right. of mouth and referrals and all of that kind of thing. So one of the biggest things is you know there's horrible statistics when it comes to online courses. Like less than I don't know I don't know what the exact number is nowadays, but less than 10% of people complete the courses. Um, you know, go all right. the way through. It's like, no, no, that's horrible number. 
And so what can you do to engage your students in the course so that they do get all the way through? And, uh, and first and foremost, I think one of the biggest ways to engage your audience is to have shorter videos, like shorter um, pieces of content that you feed to them. Um, because there's, it's so easy to disengage if they're going to be these super long videos, like 20, 30-minute videos are way too long. I always recommend less than 10 minutes for each of the videos that you include as part of your course. So um, because if they, you know, like you have to kind of think about who your audience is. They are probably busy, busy people, potentially with families, potentially with a million other things to do on their list. And, you know, they may, if they're taking a course, they may or may not have a huge amount of time to um, sit down and take your course. So if you have it, your course designed in such a way that they're these small bite-sized pieces, they're more likely to engage and come back and come back again and come back again because what you're offering them is manageable. So the first suggestion is to have the, um, you know, your content delivered in bite-sized pieces, nothing that's too crazy um, that they have to sit through. And then right. part of that, <laughs> part of that having these manageable pieces with the, the content is, after every lesson that you deliver, have them do something. <laughs> Whether do it some type of activity, complete some kind of worksheet, you know, do a case study. There's also have them do something that helps them start to implement what you've taught them. Because as soon as the best time for them to learn what you're teaching them is to do something immediately after it's done. And so give them some sort of action item that after you've done your five to ten minute lesson, have them go away and do something with what they've, uh, what, what you've just taught them as opposed to just going on to the next video. Get them to do something to engage in the material. Um, these will be like little small wins that they're going to get and every opportunity that you can give your students to have a small win the more likely they're going to come back and continue your course. And so that is another way to kind of engage your, your students, especially if it's like an evergreen course where they just, they're doing it on their own. And then there's a bunch of other um, opportunities to engage your audience by either offering a Facebook group, um, having um, um, potentially office hours as part of your course. If you, if you, if you're, um, Launching a course and delivering it over a period of time where everybody is going through it at the same time, have the, your students engage with one another, whether it's a Facebook group or a forum, and then potentially give the opportunity to, say, have office hours where, you know, they can call into you and answer questions or things like that. But any time that you get a chance to help them go through your material will help them, you know, engage with that content. Yeah, you know, and I think what we're seeing here is that there is another level that folks need to take with their online course creation, which is giving people, for lack of a better phrase, homework, like you just described. So after they complete each module, there's something they need to do in order to continue the course. Now, going back to what I said before about the difference between just speaking into the camera and showing your brilliance, even if you have it, versus 
doing something organized and structured, particularly when it comes to an online course people pay for. Uh, let me share with you, if you'll allow me, uh, a little uh, case study of my own. And this goes back to working with a client of ours about a year ago who wanted to do a, a, an online course. So basically it would be the type of thing where people paid in advance to attend four live trainings. So you with me so far? You know, fairly common model? Yeah. And yeah. I had the belief. And what this, what this person wanted is they were expecting to have an audience where every single person would show up for every single session and they could just speak into the camera and it would be like a two-way conversation. Now, tell me, Cindy, in the real world, even when it's live online courses, what percentage of people show up 100% of the time? Oh, that's a yeah, – well, I, I would say less than half of the people <laughs> will. Exactly, exactly. So I have a theory. Going back to what you said about creating modular content, case studies, worksheets, homework, that if we were to include in this course some examples of homework for people to do, you know, simple things they could do and then turn in to demonstrate that they were embracing the content, and then also throw in some scripts because people love scripts when they can have things they need to read off, uh, give them stone of blanks, give them templates, give them examples of things that go with each module, my contention was that the because this person was looking to have 10 people who would sign up because they actually want to do attend the modules. And my contention was, is if we added homework and downloadables and templates and scripts and things like that, that we could get 20. And that and then half of those people would show up, which means they'd still get their 10. And that some folks would pay for the course just so they could get the replays and download the worksheets. And so we did a survey for the for this person's list where we were able to identify that about half the people would, if asked candidly, say, yeah, I'm just signing up so I can get the replays and download the worksheets. So we decided to allow for that. And the end result was that the person more than doubled their expectations on the launch of the course, and they did actually get, I think, 11 or 12 people who showed up for at least three modules out of the four. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe it, too. It's, uh, it, it, it's one thing to talk to people, to, to you know, quote-unquote, teach them uh, right. um, uh, something, teach them something. It's then now the opportunity for them to have to turn around and apply what you've just taught. It's like watching a video on how to ride a bicycle, and then go, okay, right. well, you've, I've just taught you how to ride a bicycle. Now let's learn how to ride a motorcycle. It's like you 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 can't you can't do that. So it's like a physical skill, but there's so many skills. If you're teaching a skill, they have to practice it. That's the the best learning comes from them from doing, and so you have to yeah. give them an opportunity to to practice, or or at least give them the perception that they have the tools so that they can apply it on their own. So, um, you know, you teach them, but then give them the tools so that they can use them when they're going to apply your your, your whatever it is in real life sort of thing, because that's when they're really going to learn is when they're actually applying it in real life. Right. I think you're, I think you're very correct about that. And I was just getting ready to ask, back when you were a, a school teacher, why did you give your kids homework? I don't think it was just to punish them. 
<laughs> well, absolutely. Again, especially because they're at home, they're now not in front of me where they can ask me a, a question when they get have a little bit of difficulty when they're at home. They're on their own. They have to kind of work through it uh, and figure it out on their own. But, you know, given the instruction that I've given them, but they've got to now kind of put it in their own understanding and work on it and work their way through it. So th that that's when the learning happens. It's not you know, telling isn't teaching. And so it's kind of, uh, we, we need to give the learners who want to learn the opportunity to, to practice it and see where they're having difficulty and where they're falling short. So they can then come back to you and ask for help for those, those areas. Right. And when you think about this from the perspective of the course creator, a lot of times what we see these days are online courses are created as a stepping stone or an engagement tool that leads toward ultimately people joining a mastermind. Uh, going back to the example of the client that I just gave the minor case study on, that was his ultimate goal is to get more people to join his mastermind. And the four week course was supposed to be a taste of that. So his approach was, well, I'll just get on camera and I'll just speak directly into the camera and we'll have everybody show up live for every session and I'll all join the mastermind. Well, that's well and good. But what you just said I think is brilliant is by giving people stuff to do, sending them out there to try it, and then discovering that it's not as easy as it sounded or it looked on paper, that to me, and I, I don't know if this is your approach, actually increases the chance that they would invest in coaching or would invest in the mastermind because they get a chance to taste it, they get a chance to see that it could work, maybe they even get some results from it, some positive results, make some money right away. Then they dig in, they find out they need somebody to stand next to them. And that's where the course creator comes in. Yeah, that, that, there's there's two big points there, I think, Adam. Um, is number one, you want to make the course good enough so that they're like, wow, I, I want more of this person. This person delivers great stuff. But, you know, if I can get this much out of them, then, you know, if I get into a mastermind, I can get even more. So that's kind of the first thing and and, and why you want to do more than just, slap a bunch of videos together and put them out there because if, if there's no real, if there's a perception that there's not a lot of value there, why would they invest in a mastermind? So that's the first right. thing. And then, the, and then the second thing is often courses that you're creating is almost like an introduction to whatever topic, but, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily proficient. So they've got the fundamentals, they've got the, the basics down, but then it then there turns into, well, what about this scenario? What about this scenario? Well, what do I do when right. this happens? And that leads in perfectly to a mastermind type of opportunity for for um, the students that take your course. And and I tell you, the the clients that I work with, their their courses that they're creating is just the stepping stone to the next, you know, the next engagement with those students. You know, they're they're either creating a membership site that you know, they offer additional courses or they're offering, as you say, mastermind groups so, so that, you know, you can really, you know, go beyond kind of the fundamentals that you've learned in the in the course. And, and the course itself is a good way to get everybody at least to a, you know, common ground so that when you get into the mastermind, they all have that you know what they've learned and what their baseline is so that you can grow from there as opposed to starting at the very beginning. And that, you know, because that would be a different group of people that you probably would want to work with. So having them, you know, take the fundamentals in a course um, sets this really nice stage for the, the mastermind or, or other, you know, opportunities like that. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. So here we are at about minute 36 of our conversation here. Boy, this is flying because this is so much fun. So let's isolate something so that people can skip to minute 36 and get something that I think will really move them along. So, Cindy, based on your experience, how can you create a course outline that will get real results for your clients? All right. Okay. So the very first thing people need to do before, you know, they get to the outlining the course is they need to validate the idea. You know, I, I often have people coming to me and say, I want to create a course on such and such. Is that a good idea? What do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. What does your audience say? You know, is this a real problem that your audience is having? Are they willing to pay money to take a course to solve a pro this particular problem? So number one, you really need to validate the course idea, like figure out, you know, what it is, the pain point is that you're solving for your audience. And the audience, the problem needs to be big enough, excuse me, the problem needs to be big enough that they're willing to pay money for it. So you need to have a, a problem that's, you know, pretty painful that people want to have a solution to. So you want to make sure that you validate the idea. And that includes going to your audience and asking them, you know, what are you struggling with? What's your biggest frustrations? If, you, if I were to create a course on this, would you be interested in taking it? You can even beta launch it and actually ask them to, you know, put down some money so that, you know, if you've created a course that they can take it when it's ready. So that's really step number one. And out of that validation, you should come up with your outcome. You know, I was talking about how important it is to kind of have that validate that, um, that outcome or that result from your course. Through that validation process, you should come up with what is your outcome? What is the result that your students are going to um, get from taking your course? And part and parcel of that is who is your audience? Who is this for? So, for example, I've got, um, I've got a client right now, and he's an Airbnb expert. So we're, we're creating a course for um, existing Airbnb um, property owners to how to kind of make, get more money out of their property. But when we started, we had to figure out who the audience was. Was it brand new people who were interested in getting into Airbnb? Was it existing property owners? Or was it, you know, somebody who was wanting to become a property manager and buy multiple properties for Airbnb? So we decided the first course that he would create would be the middle of the road. And so therefore then, once you're clear on who the audience is, then you can be more clear on the content that you need to deliver for them. So that's when we kind of get into the next step. Once we know our outcome and we know who the audience is for, now you're going to brainstorm. So you're going to brainstorm and you're going to write down everything that needs to be, that you think they should know in order to get that particular, that audience to get that particular outcome. So just brainstorm. Don't filter anything out. Just put everything down. There's lots of like online mind mapping tools if that, um, if you prefer online or I even just use uh, sticky notes. And put my right. write it down an idea on each of a sticky note and just brainstorm, put everything that you think that somebody would need to know in order to get that result. After you've done that brainstorming, then what I recommend 
is try and see if you find commonalities between all of those items that you've identified. And what, uh, oh, and I like to kind of call them buckets. So, you know, if there's a common theme to certain ideas that you've written down, put them together into one bucket. And, you know, I, I would say every time that I've gone through this process, I've always usually found out that there's, you know, between four to seven buckets that the, these common themes fall into. And that's really the framework now starting of what your course will look like. Each of these buckets that you now have created are kind of the milestones that your students will go through as they um, take your course. So those would be each of your modules that you would have as part of your course. So there's the kind of the outline of your course now with these individual buckets that you've created. And then within the bucket, that's when I go through the need to know, nice to know analysis. And anything that they need to know stays in the bucket. Anything nice to know comes out of the bucket. And now when you've gone through that process, you now have your individual lessons within um, each module. And now you've got your course outline all set up for you now in that process. Right. And I, and I think that's a really good step-by-step -step outline for people to follow for those of our listeners who look for step-by-step for, for step -step outlines, which is why I wanted to take a moment at minute 36 and just isolate that. So for our listeners who like to just, you know, just the facts version of it, they can see it right there and they can just follow that in terms of their online course creation. So if you want to think of this episode of the Business Creators Radio Show as sort of like an online course, there you have it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so we've looked at the mistakes entrepreneurs make. We've looked at some secrets to making it engaging to clients. And we've taken the time to set up how we create a course outline. So now that we've laid these three foundational steps or built these three pillars to hold up the roof, whichever analogy makes most sense to you or resonates with you better, how can we take our online course to the next level? Well, it's, it, it, it depends on what your starting point is, really. It, it's about, you know, if you're talking about your individual who has just kind of thrown a bunch of videos together and, you know, thinks that that's the way that people will learn and that, that people will get value out of what your content is. If that's where your starting point is, but really the, the, the next step is to figure out how to break it down into more manageable, easier steps for the, um, the learner to learn from. And then once you've broken it down into those more manageable steps, what is the outcome or result that they're going to get from each of those little, the smaller steps? So, because what I, you know, recommend that after every lesson, there should be some sort of action item. So, it's the idea is, you know, to take it really to the next level is, is how do you make sure that the content that you provide to those students um, is going to get them to implement it? That's really, to me, that's what the next level is, is is having them take what you've just taught them and having them be able to apply it and so that they can get the, the change, the results that they're looking for. Because, you know, if somebody is signing up for a course, signing up for your course, they have, 
they have some insecurities. <laughs> they, they're, they're not perfectly confident that they can achieve it on their own. And so they're looking to you for help. And so one of the things that you, you to keep in mind as you're creating your courses is not to do you overwhelm them with content and information. It's how can you start to help them build their confidence so that they can do this on their own. And and then, and again, that's another reason why you don't want to just dump too much information on them because that's gonna have the opposite effect on them. They're gonna be overwhelmed, they're gonna feel discouraged, and they're gonna feel, okay, I really don't know what the heck I'm doing here. And so keep yeah. in mind that when you're creating this course, not only are you wanting to give them content and information, but you also want to instill them with confidence. I was um, working with a client who was doing a course on public speaking, and she, she, she was brilliant at what she did, but she just was wanting to give way, way too much information to these, these people who were taking a course on public speaking. And our, the audience, that we had defined were beginner speakers. So they, they didn't have a lot of experience, nor do they have a lot of confidence. And and she kept wanting to include all of this information. She's like, but Cindy, like there's just so much I can give them. And I'm like, that's great. But is this going to improve their confidence or is it going to take away from their confidence if you give them way too much stuff? Let's, you know, what are the highest impacts activities or, or uh, lessons that you can teach them that will help build their confidence. So I think that's just a really important thing to keep in mind that if they're taking your course, they don't have a heck of a lot of confidence. And so do what you can in the course, like giving them, you know, smaller lessons, giving them activities to include to really help them have small wins so that their confidence is going to be slowly built up over time. So to, to level up your course really is about focusing on who your uh, audience is and helping them, um, helping them along the way in order to be successful in, in what it is you're trying to achieve. I think, the, I think those are great. So here's a question that has come up with a few folks who knew you were going to be on Business Creators Radio Show and wrote to me and asked if I could get your thoughts on. When we hear of creating online courses and selling them, folks have been programmed to believe that this is their ticket to millions and riches, that they're going to put this course out there, they're going to do a product launch, and they are going to go buy the boat. And then doesn't exactly happen that way. So what would your response be to that person who has launched a course, who knows that somebody launched a course, but it didn't make a million dollars the very first time? Well, that's often the case. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, yeah. unless <laughs> – Unless you already have an enormous following and you're super tuned into what it is specifically that they, you know, are struggling with, it's, it's going to take a bit of time and iterations to really kind of hone in and figure out what that is. And so, you know, so there's, there's, you know, I, I consider there's three main buckets when it comes to creating a course. There's the marketing and launching. 
there's the content itself and then there's the technology. So, you know, so if you are falling short, you can kind of do a deep dive as to, well, where, where has, where is the gap? So, you know, is it marketing and launching? Did, did you struggle with how, you know, did you build up your audience? Did, how did the launch go? Is your marketing materials really kind of honing in as to what problem you're solving for the, you know, the, the students that are taking it? So that's kind of the one thing is assessing, you know, the marketing and launching process. And, and um, you know, for me, because I do the content design, I bring in marketing and launching experts to help, you know, my clients with that part. The the second thing is, is well, what about the course design itself? Is there anything more that you could do with the course design? And that's that's where, you know, often um, there's a million things you can do to make the course better and look at it to see if, you know, you know, is the course too long? Is it is there is there not a clear outcome? Is the audience not clearly defined? Um, you know what can be done more to make the course um, tighter and more um, you know clear. And then there's the technology. I, I tell you, so Adam, this is I, I think this is kind of a a, per, a perfect story in this circumstance. So I. Um, I had begged off taking any courses. <laughs> I, I'd already, you know, I was in a moratorium of taking any more courses because I had taken already enough and I was getting really discouraged with taking them that I wasn't going to take any more. And then I received an email from a business coach that, uh, that I had been following for a long time. And with zero, absolute zero intention of taking the course, I knew her email was was um targeting like was was a, a launch for her course that she offers and i'm like okay well i'm just going to read through the email just to just to see how the copywriting is and i tell you in that email she had um done so well at describing who the course was for and and you know what they were going to get out of the course that and she was so specific about it by the time I got to the end I was like oh my goodness she has was talking to me she had been so specific in that she talked about um you know how 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 many clients you had had so far what your income was she talked about you know what the status was in terms of your website and the automation that you had she was she had completely outlined who the course was for and yeah. um, by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, oh, my gosh, she is talking to me. And lo and behold, what did I do is I ended up signing up for that course. So, so number one, by being super clear as to what the problem was and, and, and who the course was for, that definitely sold it for me. But the other thing that I noticed is it was probably the very first, because she had been so specific and clear about who the course was for, it's probably the first course that I have gone through from end to end and taken the entire thing. Um, and so, you know, being clear about what the problem is, who the audience is, it allows you to really hone in on who, uh, on your marketing message. But it also helps you really be addressing the right people at the right time in your course. 
So there, there's a number of here. If you haven't sold everything, don't, number one, don't be discouraged, um, but do a deep dive as to where the problem might be coming from and um, whether it is the marketing and the launching of the course or whether it's on the course design itself because, uh, you know, it doesn't take long for somebody to get into a course and realize, oh, I made a mistake here or, oh, this is not going to, you know, um, give me what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think, I think you raised some good points there. And I would add that with all things, sometimes your market needs conditioning. It uh, could be a matter that you have an audience of people who don't really view themselves as course purchasers. And part of that, in my estimation, my experience of these types of things, could be because you have not given them the opportunity to make the decision as they are. In terms of that, you know, that they yeah. they hadn't thought to go online to take a course before? That could be, or that they hadn't thought to go online and do it with you. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and see, so those, those are things that you can do kind of in the, you know, in the marketing and launching. Often people wait to the end after they've created the course to market and launch it. I, I say they go hand in hand. You want to be, you know, marketing your course as – as you're kind of creating the outline for it. And so it can be, you know, conditioning your your audience that these are the tools that you're going to be able to give them in a process or in a system that um, enables them to get those results. So I think that makes a lot of sense as well, Adam. Yeah, I think, I think, I, th I definitely think so. Now, let's see here. I think there's one more thing we wanted to um, get into. So since we're coming near towards the end of our time here together, and boy, I will tell you, if we had another day to do this, we probably still couldn't cover it all. Uh, to leave our listeners with a place to either begin or to proceed from, what in your estimation is the most important thing? Of all the things we've covered, or maybe this is something new, but what's the most important thing that you cannot forget when you're creating an online course? Listen to your audience. So at the beginning, you know, if you're kind of thinking, oh, is this a good idea? You know, should I should I create a course about this particular topic? You need to you need to go back and um, ask your audience or ask the people, ask your target clients or look to see what your target client is. The closer you can be when you create your course to like hitting that pain point that if you sold it, their lives will be so much better. That is, you know, the most important thing um, is to really listen to your audience, to hear what it is they have to say in terms of how you are going to solve the problem for them. And then when you, so that's number one. So there's two things that I always have to say. And then the second one is making sure that your course is like clear and concise and hits that particular point. Nothing more um, but hits that particular point because your 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 students when they buy your course they're they're paying for the outcome, um, not the uh, not the the volumes of information that you can necessarily provide them because all that stuff can be found on the internet, right? Pretty <laughs> um, much. If people wanted to people wanted to find information on your particular topic, they could probably do it. What they're paying you for is to find the fastest way possible to get that result. And so that's why you want to have your course created such that you're giving it to them in the quickest possible way in your way because you're the expert. So you're kind of giving your hints and tips and tricks based on your years of experience of doing so. I can give you, as we close out here, one final example that I think will 
really in some ways linked to what you just said is aside from the fact that you know you're creating you're providing the material what you're doing is you're providing a service to your audience and in, in how you present the material to them so you make sure you include the material that in your best estimation they need that will best support them with the goal and solve the problem that drove them to your course in the first place so I'm reminded of an anecdote. Uh, some people I know have me- have actually had the opportunity to meet and get to know Matthew Lesko, who we may remember from those infomercials about, here's a big book about how you can get grants from the government. You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> well done, you know, Adam. Yeah, yeah. He, and yeah he, he's a guy, um, I mean, you're in Canada. You probably have heard of him, just like we, you know, we in the States have heard of a lot of Canadian folks as well. But he would do these crazy infomercials and then wear these loud sport jackets where he has big question marks on them. And somebody pointed out, like, hey, why, why would you buy his stuff? Can't you just research all those forms off the Internet? It's like all he did was do a bunch of research and put it in a book. Exactly. Yeah. That's the whole value. He yep. researched yep. where to find the forms and what the forms are so that you can get the money. So the exactly. reason you buy his book is because it saves you the hundreds of hours that you could spend just doing it yourself. $60 versus 60 hours, that's not a hard one to figure out, folks, unless, you're, unless, yeah. you, have a, unless you have a scarcity mindset or the course creator has not properly articulated the value. So in Lesko's case, he articulated the value. It's basically what it comes down to is, yeah, you could do it yourself, but I did it for you. Yep, that's that's it. And and what I usually what I recommend is when we put when you're putting your course together is design it as your system, your process, your formula to get to that destination. So you've now just productized your information yep. into your unique. Um, process and so people are buying your way of doing it because you know sure they can find all of that information on the internet but they're buying your hours that you've already spent to get that expertise so productize it exactly. put it into a system or a formula to get there exactly so we have two minutes left here and i want to give one of those minutes to you somebody is on the edge of their seat out there they want to go to take this to the next level uh you mentioned to me that you might have a gift for our audience or something that they can take home with them. So where can they go and what are they getting? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks Thanks for the opportunity, Adam. Um, so my website is thecoursewhisperer.co, so thecoursewhisperer.co. And if you go to that website slash BCR, as in um, Business Creators Radio Show, um, thecoursewhisperer.co slash BCR. I have a couple of things there for your audience to help them get started. So number one, I have like a mini course um, that is like how to validate when we're talking about how important that first step of validation is. Um, there's a mini course on how to validate your online course so people can sign up and take and walk through that course to help them get started. But then I also uh, remember we I walked through the process of how to create um, your course outline. I've, I've given like I've created like a, a mini uh, reference sheet. So if you kind of don't have the steps all in your head and you kind of wanted a one pager reference sheet so that when you actually go to create that outline, um, I'll give those steps one by one so you can um, you can sign up to also receive that information. So that's what's uh, that's good. what's available for your audience, Adam. Very good. So that's thecoursewhisper.co forward slash bcr. Cindy Nicholson, The Course Whisperer, thank you so much 
for being with us today. It's been an honor and, believe me, an education. I appreciate your time, Adam. Thank you so much. All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.